Hey, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Welcome to The Quest. Listen, we do not take it for granted that you would take your time out of your day and spend it with us. That means so much to us, especially if you're checking us out. If you're checking us out, we always encourage everyone to scan the QR code. That QR code allows you to connect with us in a way to help answer some of the questions that you might have about who we are as a church. It also allows you to connect with us in ways like giving online. Maybe you have a prayer request, you want others to pray with you. Maybe you want to find out more about who we are. That QR code will help our connection. And listen, we also say this all the time. We understand that people are just watching. They want to observe. They're kind of watching from the back row. And we get that. And if that's you, we respect that. We're just glad that you're here with us today. Also, just as a reminder, all of our talks are available, including this one, on our podcast platform. All you have to do is search for Fresno Quest Church on any of the podcast platforms that you're a part of, and you will find us there. So listen, before we get into the talk, let's pray together. Father, you are good and we love you and we are so grateful for all of your blessings in our lives. We are so grateful for what you're doing in our lives personally. Though we may not see it, though we may not feel it always, but Father, we know that you're always working for our good. You're always working behind the scenes. And Father, today we just open up our hearts and allow you to speak into our lives. We ask that you would give us faith for areas of our lives that maybe we have not had faith for. Maybe areas of our lives that we've closed our hearts to. Father, especially in regards to our family, especially in regards to our marriage. Father, I ask today that you would speak into our lives and give us faith for what you desire in our families and what you desire in our marriage. Father, you know the needs of every person watching. And I ask today that you would not just speak into those needs, but Father, that you would touch our lives. And Father, that you would do a miraculous work that we need in the areas of our lives that we're struggling with. And, and whatever those might be, I ask, Father, that you would make yourself known in those areas of our lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. And Father, I just ask again that you would open our hearts and speak to us today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're in a great series that we've entitled The Family Circus. And I don't know about you, but every family can be and feel like a circus. I mean, maybe it's you have a car full of little ones and it seems like you have a car full of clowns. Or maybe you're walking a tightrope in a relationship without a net. Or maybe you're just juggling the demands. And all of these things appear to be a show that other people are watching. The family can feel like a circus. And at the same time, when God is in our lives, he can make our family the greatest show on earth. One of the things that we're looking at in this idea of marriage today, and that's this, you can write it down. When it comes to our marriage, marriage only works when we work at it. A marriage doesn't come naturally. It takes intentional actions. In fact, another way of saying it is marriage stops working when we stop working at it. When we stop working at our marriage, our marriage stops developing. It stops growing. If you want something you've never had in a marriage, then you have to do something you've never done in a marriage. It requires intentional actions. If you want to go to a place that you've never been in your marriage, you have to travel a road you've never traveled in your marriage. Then again, if you want what everyone else in the world has in their marriage, just travel the same road that they're on and you'll get there too. But if you want something different, you have to take a different route. We're talking about doing marriage differently than the world differently than our friends that maybe don't follow Christ, differently than people that don't know God in their life, differently from those couples that God is not the ringmaster 
of their life. If we're going to do marriage God's way, then it's got to be done differently. When God established marriage, this is what it says in Malachi. It says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. If we're going to do marriage God's way, then we have to understand God's way, how God functions. And one of those ways, and you can write this down, doing marriage God's way is a marriage that God is in is a covenant, not a contract. God is a God of covenants, not contracts. The different covenants that are mentioned in the Bible, there's like four different ones in the Old Testament, and then there's one in the New. The Old Testament, you have the Noah covenant, you have Moses, Abraham, David, and then Jesus came to establish a new covenant with us. When Jesus spoke at the Last Supper and he said, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus was saying that his death on the cross is this new covenant that God has with his people. God establishes a covenant with his people. It's the framework, if you will, of the relationship that God has and wants with us. And just so we understand, a God-centered marriage is a covenant. Listen to Malachi. It says, The Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. She is your partner, the wife of your marriage, covenant. So when God establishes a covenant with us, it's the framework for the relationship that he desires with us. And just we're on the same page, the difference between a marriage covenant and a marriage contract is this. A contract is based on mutual distrust. In other words, where individuals will say, I'm in as far as you're in. As long as you hold up your end of the agreement, I'm in. I'm with you. I'll hold up my end of the agreement. But as soon as you stop, I'm out. As long as you're in, I'm with you. A covenant, though, is based on mutual commitment. In other words, it says, I'm in even when you're not in. I will hold up my end even when you don't. A covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibilities. It doesn't look for what we deserve, but what the other person needs. We focus on our responsibilities, not what we deserve. A contract protects personal rights and avoids responsibility. It's a very self-centered approach. A contract looks for what we deserve, not how we can serve. A covenant is focused on the interest of the other person, while the contract is focused on personal interest and personal convenience. A contract has a beginning and an ending date. A covenant has no ending date. My wife's name is Cynthia, and the day that Cynthia and I established our marriage covenant, I don't remember much about that day, partly because I'm old, partly because that was 33 years ago. But I do remember two things. I remember the wedding night, come on now, and the second thing is I remember our vows. Whether you're married or not, you've probably been doing enough ceremonies that you know these vows pretty well by now. They kind of go like this. Do you pledge before God and these witnesses to be a faithful husband or wife, for better or worse? in sickness and in health, in joy and in sorrow, in good times and in bad times, until death do you part. And I remember I said, I do. I agreed to the conditions for better or worse. I don't know, maybe that's what marriage is. Cynthia makes my life better, I make her life worse. No, I'm just playing. That's, hopefully that's not the case. There are always better and worse days in marriage. For most couples, they're more in touch with the worse days than they are with the better days. And I want to just throw this in while I'm here. You can write down if you want. We generally experience the better in marriage 
when we take inventory of the better in our marriage. In other words, we're always going to find what we're looking for. Looking for good in our marriage allows us to experience the good in our spouse. And being aware of the good in our spouse then allows us to value our spouse. If we don't take a personal inventory, the worse in our marriage will prevent us from experiencing the better in our marriage. How we process the difficulties in marriage, the, the challenges of marriage, the conflicts in our marriage says a lot about the health of our marriage. The truth is we're always going to experience tension in our marriage because we're human. It doesn't mean we always have to experience tension, but we're going to experience tension in our marriage from time to time because we're human. So conflict is a part of marriage and a very important part to understand how to operate in our marriage. One thing you might want to write down, I think it's important, is this. Most issues we face in marriage result from unmet expectations. We all have expectations in our marriage for our marriage. And when those expectations go unmet, well, James talks about what happens. It says, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your unmet expectations, those things that you want so much that you're not able to get. We need to understand that healthy marriages have intentional actions. So in other words, we strengthen our marriage, and you can write this down, when we learn to bring God into our conflict. You want a strong marriage? Then bring God and learn to bring God into the conflict of your marriage. And understand that it is a learning process. It's nothing that you get down right away. A Greek philosopher once said this, It's impossible for a person to begin to learn what they think they already know. So in other words, if you think you know it all or you think you've tried it all, your heart's not going to be open to what you think you already know. When you really consider it, marriage is a miracle that you can take two different people with different backgrounds, different structures, different educations, and with God's help, work to become one. Without killing each other, that is a miracle. The reality is, and I mentioned this earlier, all couples will fight. And the reason is, is because we're broken people. And our brokenness causes us to respond in selfish, hurtful, and unhealthy ways. But it's important to remember this. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. They hit below the belt. They throw unexpected jabs. They're hurtful in their responses. See, how we fight says a lot about the health of our marriage. Really, it says a lot about our personal, emotional health as well. So it's important to understand this, and you can write it down. Healthy couples work for resolutions. They work to resolve the issue that's at hand. They seek to find a settlement, to work at the issue together, to work out the issue together. While unhealthy couples press for victory, they seek to win, they seek to conquer. What happens is we stop working at the issues of our marriage and we start working at being right. We want to be the person that wins. I heard of this guy named Dr. John Gottman kind of a marriage guru and he's done a lot of studies on marriage. And for 16 years he studied how couples fight. He says that he can watch a couple fight for five minutes and determine with 91% accuracy if they're actually going to make it or if they're going to divorce. And he says it's all about how you fight, not if you fight. See how we fight and how we handle conflict says a lot about how we approach each other. Listen to how we're supposed to treat each other, scripture tells us. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as 
all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. It says that because our sinful nature drives us to dominate and control the relationship. To stand over others rather than stand with others. You might want to just take a quick evaluation. Is that how you approach your marriage? Do you seek to stand over your spouse or do you seek to stand with your spouse? See, when kindness goes missing in our marriage, well, then our marriage begins to die. And without forgiveness, the wounds from our past become weapons. Arguments become historical. In other words, we constantly bring up the past. And when anger is not dealt with, we begin to resent each other. And then what happens is, you can write this down, we fight the wrong enemy. The issues in our marriage get attached to the person of our marriage. And our spouse becomes the problem. Our spouse then becomes the enemy rather than the issues in our marriage. We can't expect a healthy marriage with an unhealthy perspective of our spouse. The book of James tells us how to disengage from that kind of conflict. It says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. In a lot of marriages, the quickest and sharpest tongue wins. But that's not a healthy marriage. They don't just win the argument. They dominate with a blood trail. The scripture says this, that our words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And I hope that you're choosing your words carefully. How do we bring God into the conflict of our marriage? Well, one way bringing God into the conflict of marriage means this. Stop to listen carefully. Slowing down enough to listen is a big deal. We're all so busy, so preoccupied. But more than that, if we go into an argument believing we're right, then our objective becomes winning rather than resolving. James 1.19 Everyone should be quick to listen. Listening change our focus from what we believe is true to what they believe is true. Listening puts the other person first. Truth is, most people enter into a conversation to be heard rather than to listen. And that is a selfish approach. The other side of this, sometimes we're not even engaged at all in the discussion. And at best, we're just half listening. Listening requires our full attention. Listening requires our full heart. And the goal of listening is this, that we seek to understand. We seek to be a student of our spouse, to learn them and to know them intimately, to know how they feel about the issue we're speaking about and how the issue makes them feel. Proverbs 18 says this, that a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing out his own opinions. The question is, would your wife say that you're a fool? Listen, if you ask them, they'll tell you, I'm sure. Love seeks to understand before seeking to be understood. Another way that we allow God into our conflict is this. We have to guard our words carefully, closely. You would think that this goes without saying, but usually we go into an argument mouth first, not ears first, right? That James 1.19 says this, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. I would say that the key to listening is to not speak. Listen to Proverbs. It says this, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Man, if we just applied that one scripture to our marriages, how much better would our marriage be, right? 
So if we're going to guard our words closely, then we need to ask two questions before we speak. And the first question is this, what I have to say, should it be said? Is what I want to say something that needs to be said? And just because something is true or right in our own opinion doesn't mean it needs to be said. Another question is, should it be said now? See, maybe we can say it, but just later on, not right now. Some things are better to discuss in non-conflict times, when we're not so emotional. So just some practical ways that we can guard our words closely, and you can jot them down if you want to. If not, you don't need to. I would say never call each other names. That never helps. It always puts the other person on the defensive. Never raise your voice. Never get historical. In other words, never bring up the past. And one way that we do this, that we need to not do that, that's never say never or always. And you know how that's done. You never do this. You always do this. Those, those kind of statements don't help. Another important one is never threaten divorce. Listen, divorce should never be an option. It's not a tool that gets discussed. It's nothing that we threaten the other person with. In our home, divorce is never mentioned. It's never an option. Another thing that I think is really important when you guard your words, and that's this, never quote your pastor during an argument. That just keeps me out of it. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be the enemy. Now your spouse is mad at you and me. That doesn't work. So what's the goal of guarding our words? And it's this, you can write it down. We want to speak life-giving words. We want to use words that encourage and build up, not tear down. Proverbs 19 says this, that words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. You can also ask your spouse, do my words build you up? Again, they'll tell you the truth. Another way that we allow God into our conflict is this. We have to handle our anger righteously. Handling anger in a way that pleases and represents God. That scripture goes on to say this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Don't ever let your anger drive you. You have to be in charge. You have to be in control of your anger. Ephesians says this, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I would encourage you to make this commitment in your marriage right now. Make this promise to your spouse with your spouse. While things are good, we're not going to go to bed angry at each other. Listen, when we seek to resolve a conflict and resolve an issue together, when we're working at it together, then we value the resolve and we value the other person. And a lot of times that can end up with makeup sex, and that's never a bad thing. I just said it. I know you were thinking it. See, listen, when we control our anger, you can write this down, we create a safe place for our spouse. Do you personally create a safe place for your spouse? where they know they are respected and loved and valued, where they can be themselves, where they can be honest with you, where they can be honest. Man, many homes are full of landmines, where one spouse is walking around on eggshells not knowing which step is going to set off a landmine of anger that's going to bring up all kinds of destruction. Our homes need to be a safe place for our spouse. Because when they're a safe place for our spouse, then they're also a safe place for our kids. Listen, when we control our anger, you can write this down, we surrender to God's Spirit for our marriage. 
It forces us to surrender to God's Spirit, to let Him lead us, to let Him have control in our lives, to listen to Him, to seek to understand Him and what He's telling us to do. Remember, we read the scripture before, but Malachi says that God, not you, made marriage. His Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of your marriage. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. In marriage, many people don't want to surrender. They feel it makes them look weak. But when we both surrender to God's Spirit, we end up surrendering to each other. Galatians says this, Live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. We're either looking to please ourselves or to please God. I would encourage you to seek to please God. Seek to follow His leading in your life. The closer each of us get to God, the more it brings us together as a couple. One last way to bring God into conflict, and that's this. Don't react in emotion. Respond in the Spirit. And it's easy to be emotional, to get emotional, because the issues we deal with are real. But we need to remember that the person we live with is more important than the issue that we're dealing with. That Galatians verse that we just read in a different translation says this. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what your corrupt nature wants. Your selfish nature. I want to encourage you, don't fight each other. I want to encourage you to don't allow your spouse to become the enemy. Because the spirit within us is working to bring unity. It's working to bring oneness. I don't know the condition of your marriage, but I do know this. With Christ, all things are possible. With Christ, any marriage can be healed. With Christ, your marriage can be healed. Just remember, God's Spirit inhabits the marriage. Every detail, to the smallest details, let God work. Surrender to His Spirit. But you know this to be true if you've listened for any amount of time. And that is, if you want God to be working in your life, then you've got to be surrendered to God. God has to be a part of your life, not just a small part. He's got to be the center of your life. And I want to encourage you, if you have not established a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, if you've not invited God to be the center of your life, man, this would be the day to do it. This would be the time to do it. I say this all the time, there's no magic fairy dust, there's no special word. You talk to God from your heart, and you speak to God as if He was your friend, because He is. And you ask Him, not just for forgiveness, but for help. God, help me to have a life that's centered around you. God, help me to have a marriage where you are the ringmaster, where you are the one that's in charge. God, help my life to reflect you. And if you want that, talk to God. Let's talk to God together. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we love you, and I thank you for each person listening. Heavenly Father, man, those first of all, those that are listening that want to begin a relationship with you, that want you to be the center of their life, that they've never done it before, that they're full of questions, I ask that you would help them today. I ask that as they asked for you to be the center of their life, as they surrender themselves to you, as Father, as they step aside and they say, God, I don't want my life to be about myself. I want my life to be about you. Father, I don't want to be calling the shots. I want you to call the shots in my life and in my marriage. Help me to be led by your Spirit in every area of my life. Father, as they say those words to you, I ask that you would step in, that you would bring forgiveness to their past, forgiveness into their life and what they're experiencing right now. Father, I ask that you would breathe life into them and restore new purpose within them. Father, help all of us in our marriage 
to deal with the conflict of marriage according to your word. Father, I ask that your spirit would help us and enable us to put our agendas aside, to put our attitudes aside, to put our emotions aside. Help us to be a student of our spouse. Help us to seek to understand. Help us to seek to know. Help us to seek to serve rather than to stand over them. Father, help us not to be people that seek to control a conversation. But Father, help us to stand with our spouse. Help our words to be encouraging and not to be controlling, but to be uplifting. Father, we desperately need your help. And I ask for protection on every marriage. Every person that's listening in the marriage that they're in, Father, I ask for protection and I ask that you would give them strength. And I ask that your spirit would begin to help them to work out the issues of their life, the issues in their marriage. And Father, that you would bring unity and bring love, restore love and restore life. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, we're learning to let God lead. We're learning to allow God to have his place in our marriage. It's not going to happen overnight. But I would say this, have the conversation with your spouse. Establish the goal of your relationship and say, listen, we want a marriage that looks like this. That means there might be days of failure, but we're always going to come back to this place and this is the goal. So when we miss the goal, we come back together and we reassert ourselves towards the goal. God will help you to do it. Absolutely no doubt. I say this every week. You know what I'm going to say, and that's this. A healthy home begins with a healthy life. And a healthy life allows other people in to encourage, to pray, to speak into your life. They provide support and comfort and strength that we need, the encouragement that we need. We call those connection groups. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, that you would get into one. If you go to the Quest, I want to encourage you to please get into a connection group. Scan the QR code. That QR code will connect you to a link that will help you connect to the connection groups in our church and help you to make a decision of what connection group you need to be a part of. I'm telling you, we all need life-giving relationships, and those happen in small groups. Don't forfeit that. I also want to thank you guys for your financial gifts, and I want to thank you for financially meeting the needs of the Quest for all the demands that we have, and not only the demands, but just the things that God is laying on our hearts of where God is leading us to do. Listen, your gifts are so important, and we're so appreciative. We do not take that for granted. So thank you for your financial gifts. If you want to give online, again, scan the QR code. It'll allow you to give online. If you have a prayer request in your life, if you want somebody to pray with you, the QR code will also enable you to connect with somebody that will, in fact, put you on a prayer chain and allow other people to pray with you. We would love to do that. It's our privilege that you've been with us today, and we thank you for making us a part of your day. Listen, in all that you do and all the things that you face today, I pray that you have a great rest of your week. God's best to you. Bye-bye.